This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Welcome to the Woman and Money Empowerment Show. My name is Yulin Lee, and I am your host. In these episodes, you will hear my heart-to-heart conversations with women from all walks of life, sharing their wisdom and the journey to success. I hope through these stories, you will find inspirations and affirmation that ordinary people like you and me, we can achieve extraordinary results and live an extraordinary life. Now, let's dive into today's show. Hello, hello, Annie. Welcome to the Women and Money Empowerment Show. I am so grateful that you are able to join us on this call today. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here with you and your listeners. Yeah, yeah. You know, I um, reached out to you because I have been very impressed with you and your partner have been able to accomplish in the last few years. Uh, you and I met a few years ago at a FinCon in a financial conference. And that's where I found out about what you do. And um, in a nutshell, you do real estate syndication. And we'll dive into about that in details. But um, just as, you know, a, a intro to our audience, the reason I, I brought you on this show is because, you know, as a fellow real estate investor myself, I often come across people who, you know, tell me, hey, I want to be in, I want to learn how to invest in real estate. I don't know how to get started or I don't have enough money. And, and that's because, you know, in the traditional idea and the perception is that you need a lot of money to get started in real estate. Um, and that could be true if you're thinking straight in the traditional buy a single family home, putting, you know, 20, 30% down as a down payment. Yeah, you probably need a lot of down payment, you know, to, to save up for that. But then certainly that's not the only avenue to to be able to invest in real estate. And so you have a perfect story that I, I would love for you to share with our audience um, as really as, as an inspiration for others who want to get on this journey. So before we dive into the details, would you give our audience a short intro to who is Annie? Of course. And as I listened to you talk about the, um, you know, wanting to get into real estate and having all these hurdles along the way, right? And it's a common thing that newer investors will run into and I always counsel people, if they can, think rather rather than wanting to get into real estate, think about the why. Why do you want to get into real estate? What is it that's drawing you to that? Because it might be at the end of the day, maybe real estate is only one option. Maybe there's lots of different other tools that could get you to your same goal. And that's what happened with me. I never sought out real estate. Real estate found me. I started out as a fourth grade teacher and then got into game design because I wanted to create educational games and then got into learning and development, creating learning experiences for employees of big companies. And all along, I was just trying to find the place where I could have the greatest impact. And with every role, I had nine jobs in the 10 years after college. I just kept, uh, it just didn't feel right. And every time it didn't feel right, instead of staying there for years and years, I said, you know what? I'm on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And in fact, when we moved um, to the Bay Area um, about nine, 10 years ago now, my husband, out of nowhere, he was a web developer at the time, he said he was going to go into real estate. I said, real estate? I was like, would you go into real estate? I said, okay, fine, get it out of your system and, you know, go take the test. And so he did. And as soon as he did, he realized he actually really loved it. He started building his business. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, 
across real estate off my list. We can't both be in real estate. That would be ridiculous. Um, and so here I was climbing the corporate ladder and he was building his real estate business. And a couple years in, he asked me to help with his business. And I was like, not going to help with your business. But I was like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll take a look, see what I can do. I was working as a creative director at the time. And I said, okay, fine. I think I can redo your website. And in the process of redoing his website, I discovered that I didn't love what he did, but I discovered a passion for real estate investing. Mm. And it was, and this comes back to what I was talking earlier about earlier about finding your why. And the reason that real estate was so compelling to me at the time, and it wasn't, I wasn't looking at big syndications, wasn't looking at building this, you know, portfolio with hundreds of doors. I was literally just looking at replacing my salary because at the time my why was, I had nine jobs in 10 years. I'm tired. <laughs> I don't know if this whole employee thing is for me. I just, if I could, I see the path, if I can just get X number of houses, cash flowing this amount per month, I'm set, then I could do whatever I want. So that was my why. And that helped me to get, you know, get past all those initial hurdles of the fears and the money required. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm honed in on my goal and this is what I need to make that happen. And so because of that, because I was so focused on it, then, you know, real estate and life led me in a different, bigger direction, right? And so I started investing in these smaller um, multifamily uh, apartments and I became obsessed. So every time that we would gather with friends and family, they'd ask how I was doing. That's all I could talk about. Hey, check out this market, check out this house. This is what I'm doing. And they would get really excited about it too. And so then they wanted me to teach them, but through the process of teaching them, they quickly realized, hey, no, 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 I don't actually want to do this. <laughs> I just, I have this money I want to put in. Could you, maybe you could do it. I'll just give you the money, you do it. And at the time I was like, I don't know, these smaller properties, there's not a lot of room for you. So I was like, oh, too bad. But after a series of these conversations, I was like, wait a second. There's a pattern here. I know a number of people who have money to put in, but they don't want to do the work, but I could do the work. And so that then led me to do some further research and digging, listening to lots of podcasts, reading lots of blog posts and threads. And that's when I discovered syndications. I didn't even know the syndications that existed until that point. And, you know, there are no accidents because the, the week after I quit my job to go full time into real estate, having no safety net, no backup plan, the week right after is when I met Julie, my business partner. And from there, we then found out we were aligned on a lot of things. And um, so about five years ago, we launched our company, Good Egg Investments, and now we've helped hundreds of investors all over the country and all over the world actually to invest in real estate syndications. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for sharing your journey. And I think there is so much, there's so many lessons that can be learned from your experience, right? And and the number one thing I, I heard, I, I know you start out with, you know, asking yourself the why, and that is always the most important question uh, in whatever we want to do is, is, is understanding the why behind it. But I also heard, uh, you know, you mentioned that you had, when you first started, you had nine jobs in 10 years. 
And, and, and that in itself, though, also tells me something, right? As someone who's young out of college, and especially, you know, I have college kids, and I've been talking to a lot of kids in, you know, in the, those age group, like the early 20s, um, is, is to not be afraid to try something. And if you try it, and if it doesn't, doesn't land, doesn't stick with you, um, then try something else. And then I think that that in itself is, is a big lesson is that, um, you know, we, we live in, in a world today where it's no longer, you know, you get out of college, you get a steady job and, you know, and your goal is to stay there for the rest of your life for your pension. <laughs> right? yes. So in some ways, the more you try and the more uh, you know what you want and what you don't want. Mm -hmm. and so, I so, couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. So that that that's great. And then so now you are a co-founder of a good egg and which is a real estate syndication company. So now tell us exactly what do you do in your company? Yes. Your company, what, what do you do? Yeah, so through Good Egg, what we do is we help people who want to invest in real estate but don't want to be landlords. <laughs> we help them yeah. to invest in real estate um, passively. And so what we do is we pool together all their capital. So somebody might be investing 50K, you might have 50K, I might have 100K. We put it all together and now suddenly we have maybe millions of dollars, which is too much to buy a small single family rental. Now we're looking to buy something bigger together. And what we specialize in are commercial multifamily or apartment communities. And so we're looking in the, all these different markets all around the country, and we've got connections, boots on the ground, and we're finding these great opportunities that as a single investor, I wouldn't be able to invest in by myself, but together with this group, then I can have a piece of that. And mm -hmm. so that's what we help people do is to invest. It's almost like real estate crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. So you have a chunk of money, but you don't want to do the work. You put your money in and we help to do all the heavy lifting and the management. Great, great. And so are there specific uh, characteristics in the type of properties that you typically you know, purchase and, and, and hold? Yeah, absolutely. So we tend to focus on um, larger uh, apartment communities. So at the minimum, 100 units um, often will have uh, apartment communities with 200 plus units. And the reason for that is the economies of scale. You know, when you buy a single family home, you've got a roof and then air conditioning and, you know, a water heater um, all for that one tenant. If that one tenant moves out, then you've got no income right. um, with 200 units. Let's say not only do you have the shared roofs, the shared amenities, um, but you also have um, the ability to hire on site staff and maintenance, right. um, which also improves the economies of scale. Um, so larger apartment communities in um, in growing markets where there's lots of job growth and population growth. So recently that's been in Texas, Arizona, the Carolinas and Florida for us. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're looking at so um, commercial multifamily or commercial real estate is graded on a scale from A to D with A being the top tier luxury, really nice amenities down to B and C class, which are more the workforce housing, and then D class, which tend to be the war zones areas you wanna stay away from unless you're really good at that kind of project. Mm -hmm. um, and so we tend to invest in A class projects and um, B or B plus class projects. 
Great, great. And in terms of the the type of people who、uh, would invest in your projects, are there specific criteria for for them to participate in your projects? Yes, there are. And、um, so the main criteria is、uh, to be an accredited investor. We get asked about this all the time. So I actually wrote and、uh, and. Performed a ukulele song about what it means、oh. <laughs> to be an accredited investor. You can find that on YouTube.、Um, but、yeah. it's so to be an accredited investor, it's one of two criteria. Either you have to meet the income or the net worth criteria. The net worth is the easier one. That's if you have a million dollars or more in net worth, not counting your primary home. So if you meet that, then you're accredited. If you don't meet that, then the second criteria is the income one,、um, which is that as an individual you make 200k or more, or 300k together with your spouse and have done so for the last two years. And so,、um, if you are accredited, then you qualify to invest with us. But if you are not yet accredited, there are still, first of all, there's lots of ways to invest in real estate. Second of all, there are other syndication companies who do take on non-accredited investors in limited、um, uh, quantities as well.、Mm-hmm. So there are options there. Great, great. Well, thank you for for clarifying that. So now let's go back to how you got started, and now that you've been in business for five years, and now looking back, what would you say were like some of the key maybe moments or decisions that helped you to?、Uh, To embark on this journey and and you know have done great success, I think one of the biggest ones was partnering up with Julie.、Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I never, you know, I was that kid in school who, when we did school projects, and as a group of you know three four kids, I was always the one doing all the work. Nobody、mm-hmm. else, you know. <laughs> They were just, you know, lazing around. But I was the one who did the poster board and cut everything out and brought it to school, prepared the presentation. So, I was when I got into、um, entrepreneurship, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to find the right person, somebody else, to carry the same equal amount of weight. I just don't know if that person exists.、Mm-hmm. And so, I never set out to find a partner. I quit my job in January of 2018 and. And then I said, "Okay, I'm just going to do this on my own. I'm going to figure it out." And、um, I started down that path. And、um, you know, it's funny that at first I thought I could do it all, <laughs> as we all do, right? Right. So I quit my job, and I thought, "Well, I've done you know four unit buildings. I've invested in those. I can do a forty unit. It's the same thing. It's just bigger, right?"、Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that.、I、started you know networking with brokers and doing learning all the underwriting myself and trying to learn what I could about asset management. And then raising capital was the one area I was like, "Ooh, I don't, I don't know about that." And which is funny, right? Because that's what we focus on now, but. At the time, I was like, I don't know if I feel comfortable talking to people about money, and but I had somebody that I met through a real estate conference. He said,、um, "Hey, why don't you join us on this this deal that we have?" And he said, "You could come in, get to know the inner workings, get to know the people, contribute to the project, and you could bring some capital from your friends and family." And I said.、Ah, Oh, I do not want to raise capital. That's the hardest part of the whole thing. I'll do everything else. 
And he's like, come on, just try it out. You never know. Maybe you'll, you'll love it. And I said, okay, fine. I'll try it out. And so I committed to a small amount and um, started talking to friends and family. And as soon as I did, I realized I loved it. It was the teacher in me because I realized raising capital isn't about, if you're doing it right, it's not about selling people on something. It's about educating them on what this opportunity is all about, which is why I loved it so much. And as soon as I discovered that, that's, you know, that comes back to what you were saying earlier about you've got to keep trying things. You got to be open-minded and try things so that you can either cross them off the list or realize that they're a great fit for you. And that's what happened with me with capital raising was as soon as I tried it, I was like, oh, this is it. So that allowed me to let go of everything else. And I said, I'm not an underwriter. I actually hate spreadsheets. I don't (laughs) want to talk to brokers. I don't want to fly out there and schmooze them. That's not who I am. But if I had not tried capital raising, I would not have realized or had the courage to let all those other things go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, you know, as Julie and I um, partnered up, back to your original question about the pivotal moment, so uh, or pivotal decisions, was um, and having that self-awareness around what I wanted to do and what I was passionate about. That's what led me to be able to um, have those conversations with Julie and realize that we were both very complementary and that we were passionate about the same thing, which is helping moms and women to get into real estate mm-hmm. and that we both loved raising capital, just different aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having a business partner is like, it's like getting married. Um, I've seen Julie, I've talked to Julie pretty much, pretty much every day for the last five years. And I haven't even done that with some of my close family and friends. Um, But through that, you learn so much because she and I, uh, you know, we came into this with very different skill sets and different, we didn't know each other before. And so through this process, you know, we had different perspectives and different Um, things that we brought to the table. And through that partnership, that's what made this business um, grow as as quickly as it did and made this business as strong as it is, is because we brought in those different perspectives. So that I would say is one of the biggest decisions um, that I made that led to the success um, that we have today is the, the courage, I would say, to enter into a partnership. Right, right. Thank you for sharing that. And so was there a time, um, you know, during that process, do you ever doubt partnerships? Because I, I think that is, and, you know, I so appreciate you bring that up because, and I do know, um, you know, having the right partnership is crucial to growing the company in, in that like one person, you can't do it all. And when you have that right partner with complementary skills, you can literally, in, you know, make big jumps and leaps in in terms of growing the business. Um, but then, ob- obviously, and, and of course, there's in any relationships, there's um, there's work that needs to be done, and to make sure you're, you know, coming from different sides, but then moving in the same direction. Um, has there ever been doubts in your mind where um, you think, oh, maybe I should just do it on my own? There have, have definitely been. 
challenges and opportunities, I would say, along the way, for sure. I would say one benefit of Julie's and my partnership and the way we come at things is we're both very open-minded people. And in those moments when we did have challenges where we didn't see eye to eye, um, we would take a step back and try to see the other person's perspective. And just like in a marriage, you know, it's so important to just say, okay, maybe, maybe my way isn't the only way. Maybe it's not even the right way. Maybe that's just come from my past and my experience, but let me try to see the other person's perspective and maybe that path could work. And in that way, we kind of were able to work through um, any of the, the bumps along the way and not always see eye to eye. And to be honest, you know, we're, we don't always see eye to eye, but we always bring our different perspectives to the table and, you know, we're able to learn and grow through that. And I think having a coach throughout has been such a crucial part of that. In fact, a coach was the first person that I hired once I got into entrepreneurship. Um, and we've had many, many coaches over the years. Um, but coaches are a great uh, way to sort of help you see your blind spots and help yeah. you to get on the same page as a partnership as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like I always say, you know, I, everyone needs a coach. You know, I'm, yes. I'm a coach. I'm a coach myself, but then I also have coaches for myself. Yes, well. yes. Exactly like what you said, because we all have blind spots. And mm-hmm. and when when you have someone really kind of sitting next to you and watching what's going on and being able to reflect back to you, sometimes that that is just literally what it takes for yes. you to move to the next step. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, the, the reason I ask this question is because, again, you know, when I see other people talking about Uh, wanting to create a business and then maybe they feel like oh but I can't do it on my own I want to find some partners and which is great a great idea but I think what you're saying here too is not only the partner have complementary skills but also almost have to be um, similar in kind of how you do things so not at the skill level but at, at as a human character that you yes. are open to ideas and therefore you're able to kind of adjust and, and you know, morph uh, this partnership into a, a cohesive unit. And I think that's really important, right? Because um, like you said, every individual, we we bring different things to, you know, to the table. And and so we can't expect everything, everyone to be always in, in line. But it is that that open mindedness that's what makes it work in the in the end. Yeah, I'm so glad you pulled that out because it's it's the complementary skill sets, but it's also the complementary values. And I think that's what allowed Julie and I to really because, you know, I mentioned I've seen Julie or talked to Julie every day for the last five years. If we didn't get along, (laughs) that, that would have been a really painful experience. And I see a lot of people get into partnerships where they hurry to get into it. They're like, oh, I found a partner, somebody willing to do it. Let's just jump into it, right? Or they, um, you know, they're searching. They say, I I can't start until I've got a partner. And I've seen people, actually, I know somebody who was stalled out for years trying to find a partner. 
And he could have been building his business on his own during that time, but unfortunately, he missed out mm-hmm. on that opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, but it reminds me of one. Um, if any of your listeners are in that process of finding a partner, it reminds me of one exercise that Julie and I did, where we really were able to see that we could work well together.、Mm. So what we did was、um, we got together one day at a coffee shop and we brought all these post-its and sharpies and we said, okay, let's just set a timer. We set a timer for I think ten minutes and we said, let's just dream about this company that we want to build and let's just write down all the different ideas that we have and the vision that we have. And so we each we did this separately, not together. And I think that's really important because it helps you to get all the ideas out of your own head without the other person、right. compounding. So、um, we each wrote all these sticky notes, and at the end, the timer goes off, and we started to put these up on the wall. And that is when the magic happened because then we started to see, oh, you've got that over there. Oh, I've got this here. Let's put those two stickies together. And then we started to group the ideas, and we started to see just how aligned we were. And then there were some areas where、um, where she had thought of something that I didn't, or I had thought of something that she didn't, and that was what allowed us to really see how we work together. Because in those moments, she wasn't like, "Oh, that's a dumb idea. I would never do that." She was like, "Oh, that's really interesting. I never thought about that. Let's put that over here. I think that could go next to this one, or maybe we do this one first, and then we do that one after." And it was this process you could see on a in, in a microcosm, sort of this larger relational、uh, value that we had, where it was this. Push and pull, and respect for each other's ideas and skill sets, and so that right there allowed us to see. Okay, yeah. Not only do we share complementary skill sets and values, but the way that we work together is also very complementary. Wow, that's great. And so, when did you do that? Was it earlier in the partnership at the when you first started to to see if you、yes. guys were right for each other? Okay. Yeah, it was before we committed to the partnership. We were talking about it.、Um, we were thinking about it, but before we signed any papers, before we made it legal,、mm-hmm. we、um, decided to. And we didn't go into it knowing that that would be the outcome, but we just、mm. said, let's just. Let's just try this thing,、um, and after that, we were we knew. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's thank you for for sharing that. And I hope you know that could be a, a very very useful tip for those people out there who are thinking about creating a partnership to、um, to not be shy and and really get down to the core of who you are and what you want as an individual. And you know, independently, and then see if there's really truly the right match.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's great. And so now, when you also looking back,、uh, what are some of the challenges for for creating a, a real estate syndication? What would what would that be? Oh boy, the challenges. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many.、Um, Gosh, I mean,、uh, for there, I think there's challenges for putting together syndications, and there's also challenges for growing the business. And so I'll touch a little bit on both. So when you put together a real estate syndication, there's just it's a team sport. 
you've got to have lots of knowledgeable and experienced people. And we didn't have that early on. And it was just me and Julie. And we were just focused on trying to raise capital. And fortunately, that first year in business, this was 2018, uh, we were we were able to partner on several deals. And I think we did nine or 10 deals that first year. Mm. And what that allowed us to do was very quickly to iterate on the process. And it was just like we were talking about earlier with going from job to job. Every time I figured out something that worked and something that didn't work, I kept what I needed and let go of the rest. It was the same. Every deal that we did, we said, okay, what worked last time? What didn't work? Okay, let's try to improve this one piece this time. And we kept going and going. Um, but it was it was a hustle. It was a grind because we didn't have the expertise of underwriting and market analysis and asset management at the time. And so a lot of it, we were relying on our partners um, and we didn't we didn't know what we didn't know and so it was it was a lot i mean in the early days she and i both have she has three kids and i have two kids and when we started the business um you know my kids were i think they were four and one and so i would get up early in the mornings before they would um get they would get up so working from maybe like five to seven in the morning and do the the morning breakfast rush get them off to wherever they were going and then um work my uh, work during the day and then after dinner keep working all the way up until midnight or one o'clock in the morning and start it all over again and it was because we didn't have that team at that time Mm -hmm. um but as we grew, as we were able to take on the team, then new challenges presented themselves because as you know, finding the right people for the team at the right stages too is not always easy. We learned a lot about HR. We learned a lot about growing cultures. Mm -hmm. And um, so those challenges then presented themselves as we got to a point where we were growing and scaling the business. Wow, wow, that's great. And, you know, I think... Again, it goes back to being open to the growth itself, because I, again, I I find sometimes when people hit a certain point, the fear kicks in and that may be, you know, what holds them back and say, oh no, I can't move forward anymore because it's too scary or this is an area that I'm not familiar with. But it sounds like you two really just barge ahead and say, you know, I don't know what I don't know, but that's okay. And I, we can still learn it and then grow from that and grow with it too. So Yes. And we definitely made mistakes along the way. That's for sure. Thankfully, we haven't lost any investor money, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's certainly been partnerships that we've chosen along the way, individual deals that we've chosen, hires that we've made that may not have been the right fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, it's all a learning experience. And we've learned something from every decision, every strategy that we've tried. Right, right. And so, um, you know, this is the one question I always ask every single one of my uh, interviewee. Um, what What is your definition of success? That's such a deep question. It's great. I love it. Um, <laughs> I think my definition of success is it's around fulfillment mm-hmm. because you can have all the money in the world and you can be unhappy. 
you can be sitting there in your glass tower with the, with the views and the, the marble countertops, all the things, but you could be unhappy. Yeah. And you could also be, you could, you know, there are people in the world who live in shacks and they're the happiest people in the world because they have their purpose and mm-hmm. they're, um, they're, they feel fulfilled. And so I think success is not an outward thing. It's not about how much you um, accumulate. Um, it's not about titles. Um, it's not about how big your business can grow. It's really about, are you living your true purpose? Have you found that fulfillment? Are you having the greatest impact that you could have on the people closest to you, as well as you know, reaching out to expand your impact? And through that, if you found fulfillment, then that is what success is all about. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Um, you know, it's very much uh, similar to what I say to my clients, you know, who coach with me with their, you know, money and, and finance issues is that even though our work together is around money, but at the end of the day, it's not about the money itself, right? It's really about growing ourselves as an individual and how we can live the life in our own def by our own definition and then using money as as a tool to to enable that and so yes very much so so how does money show up for you how does money show up for me oh you know i've had a complicated relationship with money as a lot of people do Mm -hmm. do. (laughs) my um my parents had very i'm an only child my parents had very different views on money my mom would be all about save 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 don't you know every little penny counts and my dad was a gambler he would Mm -hmm. always go to the casinos and he would lose you know sometimes hundreds of dollars if not thousands of dollars in a single night Mm -hmm. and i grew up with this dichotomy of thinking around Mm -hmm. money and i didn't know what to really think and so i chose a path and i went with my mom's path of just save 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 and for a lot of years it caused a lot of anxiety for me around money mm-hmm. and i was just like there's never enough it just felt like there was never enough and i never felt good about spending money um, until more recently and i had this mindset shift that like you said money is a tool and it's not about hoarding it it's not about having this big number or getting to a certain number it's about it's a tool for to help me live my best life yeah. and once i viewed it that way it's funny that money just started showing up more in my life mm-hmm. um, but it was because i was i shifted into that abundance mindset right right and i think a lot of people share probably share that the same thoughts and feelings about there never seemed to be enough. Mm. And and I think um, to some extent, the fact that there is that thought or feelings there is an indication of there's lacking that relationship between the yes. person and the money. Like if you, if you really have a close relationship w- with money, then you know there's abundance everywhere. And you know, mm-hmm. we, there, there's enough for everyone in this world. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for for sharing your time and sharing your story. I hope our audiences can learn from your experience and also uh, use that as the motivation and inspiration to uh, get started on whatever they want to um, create in their lives. Now, before we sign off, how would people find you if they want to connect with you and learn more about what you do and and maybe invest in your syndication? Absolutely. And I'm always so happy to to hear from and to help 
women especially, wherever you are on your journey. So um, if you want to learn more about all that we do, um, you can go to goodegginvestments.com. You'll find tons of resources there. Um, and if you want to reach out to me personally, I'm always open. Um, I'm at Annie at goodegginvestments.com. All right. Well, thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon again. All right. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Women and Money Empowerment Show. If you ever have doubt for a moment about yourself, your capability, or your worthiness, please remember to keep coming back to these stories and lean in. Draw the wisdom and strength from these incredible women and know that you also have what it takes to live a fulfilling life. Until next time, have a fabulous day. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.